So that stuff is all like, you can make a list and just brain dump everything that sounds good to you. Cause that's something else to think about, especially the longer races that we're out, right? Um, what are the things that sound good? And then thinking about what sounds good when it's 85 degrees out, or if it's like you had a personal or, you know, recent experience, if it's raining yeah, uh, <laughs> and maybe even, you know, not hot, like all the weather conditions that affect our palate and then affect maybe potentially how much we eat or how much we don't eat that can cause stomach issues. You're listening to the Sasquatch Trail Runners Podcast, where every run is a trail party. I'm your host, Kim Levinsky, and today's episode is the recording from our Facebook Live interview series on Wednesday, July 14th, 2021. We sat down with sports dietitian Dina Griffin, aka the Nutrition Mechanic, to hear all about how she's helping endurance athletes around the country achieve their goals. So sit back and relax, or go out and hit the trails, and enjoy the show. Today's episode is brought to you by the newest ultra running app on the market. It's the You're Definitely Gonna Regret That app. Are you about to eat something questionable that could deliver a gut bomb? Well, simply snap a picture of the food and load it into the app. The You're Definitely Gonna Regret That app will immediately let you know if you're about to make the worst decision of your life. Use the promo code SASQUAD, S-A-S-S-Q-U-A-D, to download the expansion pack that will scan your flat Coke to see if it's flat enough. So don't delay, download this app today. Okay, hello everyone. Welcome to the Sasquatch Trail Runners Run Venture Facebook Live series. My name is Kim Levinsky. I'm the owner and race director for Sasquatch Trail Runners in New Jersey. So tonight I'm gonna be interviewing the fabulous sports dietitian, Dina Griffin, AKA the nutrition mechanic. But before we jump into the interview, I'm gonna share some updates with you on what's happening in the world of Sasquad trail running. So here we go. First of all, thank you to everyone who came out to our Fat Sass Switchback Challenge on Saturday. We had over 150 runners and hikers of all ages and paces join us for that weekend. So just on Saturday alone, you guys brought over 400 pounds of food to our charity partner, Livingston Neighbors Helping Neighbors. And then with the registration fees that we collected, we are donating $3,000 to this charity. So that brings our lifetime giving up to 1,500 pounds of food and $6,000 to Livingston Neighbors Helping Neighbors. So that is really awesome. This charity gets those food donations directly into the hands of local families who need help. So July is a really big month for us actually with giving back to our local community through food donations. On Tuesday, we had the 10 day of 10 Ks that was raising funds for Mend New Jersey and they have raised nearly $20,000 this summer to provide uh, fresh and healthy food to local families in need. So thank you to everyone who came out to run on Tuesday and to everybody who donated online. So next up for our trail series, we have the Harriman Big Bear Squatch that's on July 31st at the Harriman State Park. This is our first trail party in New York. So this is very exciting. We are expanding outside of New Jersey. We are completely sold out. We have 150 runners and hikers who are signed up. And Don Weiss with the New York, New Jersey Trail Conference they're co-sponsoring this event. We have been working together to try to get the park to increase that capacity, but unfortunately they just sent an email today saying they're firm on the 150 because of staffing shortages at the park ranger's office. So that is a bummer. We're not gonna be able to clear the wait list. We are really hoping they would up it to 200, but if you're deep on the wait list, we're sorry, but it's not looking good for you to get that invite. If you're maybe within five or 10, there's a chance. We just sent an email out to pre-registered runners asking if they'd let us know if they can't come. So you will get an invite if you are, uh, if a spot opens up. Okay, so our huge announcement, right? We were, we were making some hype about this today. So first of all, we have good news and bad news. So we'll do the bad news first. Bad news is we have to cancel the Squatchung Surprise on October 2nd. This makes me really sad. And you, if you've been to this race before, you know how fun it is. This is the one that's inspired by um, Sherpa John out in Colorado. And uh, this is the, we call it the golf ball race. So unfortunately, Wachung Reservation in Union County is not issuing permits because they're doing trail work at the park. 
So with a lot of talk with our Squatchy Council Dream Team, we've decided that we just can't make this event as trail magical as we would like to uh, with finding another park. If you've been to this, the race, you know there's so many logistics and so many moving parts with the format of this race. It would just, it's not gonna work at a different park. So that means we're skipping it for this year, but the good news is Yesterday, we just got the official green light on the first ever Backyard Squatch Ultra. So this is happening on August 28th at Stoke State Forest in Branchville, New Jersey. So this is just like Big's Backyard Ultra. We've got a 4.167 mile trail loop that actually very closely replicates the loop at Big's Backyard. So there's about 100 feet of gain per mile and it's 100% single track. And then when night falls, we're switching you guys over to the 4.167 mile out and back road course, which also has about 100 feet of elevation gain per mile. So I scheduled ultra sign up to go live at eight o'clock. So that is live. You can sign up. We only have 80 spots for this race just because of the nature of the course that we're using with single track. We don't want to get you know, Congo line. So that's live now. If you want in, I would highly recommend snagging your spot as soon as you can. This race, we are supporting our charity partner, Success. They distribute new socks to those in need around New Jersey. And since 2018, if you didn't know, we've donated over 2,000 pairs of socks to them. So as always, we always partner up with a local charity with each of our trail races. So that wraps it up for the Sasquatch updates right now. You can learn more about the races in our series uh, the rest of the events for 2021 by going to our website, which is sasquadtrailrunning.com. Okay, so the reason you are all here, Dina Griffin, I'm so excited to chat with Dina tonight and for her to share her story about how she is helping endurance athletes accomplish her goals. So um, I'm going to give Dina a formal introduction here and then we can jump into our chat. So Dina, as a sports dietitian, she works with athletes one-on-one -on -one to fine-tune their daily nutrition framework and optimize their sports nutrition and hydration strategies. She specializes in working with female endurance athletes. Dina has a master's of science degree in food science and human nutrition from Colorado State University and has worked as a registered dietitian and board certified specialist in sports dietetics in the clinical outpatient and private practice settings. So Dina has a long list of athletic accomplishments, including the Leadville 100, the Comrades Ultra Race in South Africa, Ironman 2013, Boston Marathon, sub 325 finish, New York City Marathon, 326 finish, the San Francisco North Face Endurance Run, 50K, and Mount Evans Hill Climb. You can find out more about her coaching services. We'll say this a couple of times tonight, nutritionmechanic.com. So that is all the formal stuff. So now I want to take a second here to share a little personal bit about Dina, if Dina doesn't mind. Uh, I reached out to Dina back in April to get some help with my training for Tahoe 200. And we've been working together now for a few months. And I have to say it would be impossible for me to express how much I've learned from Dina since then. She's helped me so much with on the run fueling, hydration, recovery, daily nutrition. And I have to say what I appreciate the most about Dina uh, is that she's not giving me like the cookie cutter one size fits all information. Everything's really personalized and it's very simple and easy to implement into my own training and everyday life. So every week she's giving me new things to try and I can confidently say that I'm getting stronger, I'm recovering faster because of Dina. And this is not a paid ad, by the way. This is this is all from the heart right here. So I also appreciate um, that her guidance is adapted to my we'll call it like no frills, no hassle approach to food. She knows if it takes me more than five minutes that I just don't have the patience for it. Um, so, but more than all that, I want to share that she is an incredible person and it's clear that she genuinely cares about each of her athletes. So I have so enjoyed getting to know her over the last few months and um, Dina, you're just truly the best. And it's an absolute honor to have you on as our guest tonight. So Dina, where are you at? Come on, come on and join us here. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Kim, that was an amazing intro. Thank you so much. And thanks for saying it's not a paid ad because- It's not a paid ad. <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't have the checkbook ready or anything. <laughs> um, oh, and congratulations on the new race that you have the end of August. I'm gonna maybe have to figure out how to, you know, 
sign up for that next year if that you know is something you've got going more regularly it sounds amazing oh that would be awesome we gotta get you out to uh the dirty jersey here oh yeah oh and and I always carry this with me hey there it is handcrafted by yours truly over there (laughs) you just keep that in your back pocket right I know I do (laughs) (laughs) all right Dina so the tables are turned right so I gotta grab my pencil over here I'm gonna pretend to be you and ask you know how are you feeling how, how are you doing today? <laughs> yes. What did I have for my dinner and all those eat? things? <laughs> now, this is so great. I'm so excited. We, so, you know, I, I shared with you, we've, we asked our Sasquatch Trail Runners group to share some questions and the response was overwhelming. There were like 25 questions and I think each one could probably take an hour to get through. <laughs> Amazing questions that you got from the group. Yeah, there were some really good ones. So I'll, I'll be up front with you guys watching. We're not going to get to probably more than three or four of them. That's just the reality of it. But we'll set it up where I think, Dina, we'd love to have you back on here as uh, a guest on an interview and maybe even set up some sort of like webinar for Sasquad runners. I think that's amazing. And while I wanted to say kudos to you for even thinking of that, because it's like we have races and we have coaches and we have nutrition and then, you know, all the other um, accessory therapies that some of us aren't able to do like massage and physical therapy and everything. But I find that nutrition is so, it's so confusing. It's so fluid. It's so dynamic. And just like you were pointing out um, the, the appreciation for the individual piece um, cause I could, you know, certainly give a ton of cookie cutter advice and, and just say goodbye to everybody and, or just like go to this website, but, right. um, you know, to an extent we have to do some of that tonight since I can't interact with each person, uh, yet the, uh, you know, acknowledgement that we're all humans, we all have our different needs, um, um, so this nutrition piece and, and spreading the love, so to speak, with your group um, out there, all the, the newer runners, experienced runners, hikers, and so forth. Like there's so much opportunity for learning how uh, the role of nutrition can affect each of us as individuals, no matter how experienced we are, what our, whatever our goals are, there's always opportunity. Yes, absolutely. And I can say from experience, working with you is much better than going on Google and saying, asking the questions. <laughs> right. You know, we all do that, right? I know it's common. And then you have to filter like this person said this, but wait, what does that person know? <laughs> is that being, you know, um, sensationalized or is it legit? How's it apply to me, etc. cetera. Um, so anyway, I love, thank you so much for having me on. Oh my goodness. It's an Uh, honor. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's jump in before we get to the the few questions that we picked out. Always love to ask our guests to just share your whole running story with us. So I'll let you kind of pick where that starts and, you know, that'll kind of lead us into your journey, you know, with the nutrition profession. So love to hear it. I haven't really heard your running story. So this would be, uh, I'm excited to hear it. Oh, thank you. I mean, I, uh, I won't give my exact age or anything, but uh, growing up, I was not an athlete or active, really. I was more the bookworm um, type and didn't really have the support to do sport uh, for various reasons. So, um, you know, then, then fast forward to like teenage years and college years, and mostly still maintaining nerd state. Uh, And then I got into music and like kind of partying my way through college and and so forth. Um, Still like never having put running shoes on or anything. So it wasn't really until my mid twenties, which is like a long time ago now, um, where I realized like this is this path that I'm on, which was a lot of, you know, extras, not healthy living, I would say, 
uh, I grew up in the Midwest and um, I just finally had the light bulb. Like there has to be some way I can figure out a joy in life besides, you know, bottles of beer or whatever else was going on. So uh, I just started like, you know, a two mile little loop in an area where I lived in the Midwest and then, you know, saw the signs for like a 5k going on. Like, what's that? What's a K? Um, <laughs> shouldn't it be an M? I don't know. But anyways, uh, so I just, it started from there, just like recreational, trying to become a little bit more healthy. Um, and then trying to not make the story too long because it's not even that exciting, but uh, a job locate relocation to Colorado. And at the time I was in software consulting. So um, the opportunity to move out of this area of the Midwest, which was um, central Indiana to Colorado and like, Ooh, I bet there's running there. And mm. like people do cool things there. Um, that really propelled my love of running yeah. Um, being out in the front range of Colorado, exploring trails, like what does that mean to put your feet on dirt mm. um, instead of pavement and concrete? Uh, and then Kim, uh, you know, the other part of the story is that my dad had been diagnosed with a terminal cancer and I wanted to do something to honor him, support him. And so one of the fundraising groups, the Leukemia Society at the time, they were doing fundraising slash run this marathon in California, raise money for, for the research group, uh, support him, you know, and, and by the way, run your first marathon. Um, and that was like, ooh, cool. Uh, so from there, it just, you know, like I love, the feeling you get physically and mentally from that outlet and then just realizing the health benefits um, to a degree, right? It's all different for all of us, but um, that's kind of where it started. And then just nutritionally, I, you know, I realized um, through some unfortunate experiences with my own fueling for marathons, like I didn't know what the heck I was doing we, you know, there wasn't much of a Google machine way back then. So it was like runner's world and my coach at the time trying to give advice and that wasn't really working so well. So that's the part that got me into the nutrition profession partly was like, what does cancer and nutrition do together? And then like fueling the athlete um, and GI distress or proper fueling for for this kind of endeavor uh, really sparked my curiosity. So there, there's the extra long story. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> I love that. I love it. So it sounds like it was until Colorado that you got into some, a little bit of trails. Trails. Yeah. There was not much of that happening in Indiana, you know, yeah. like a trail was like a little off skirt, you know, little, to, to the parking lot or something like that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I know. I lived, I lived in Ohio for six years and there was maybe one trail system. Yeah. It's not really, so I mean, literally like there's cornfields around it, you know? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Trying to make your own trail through a cornfield. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So then what was, what was kind of the turning point in your career? Because you were doing IT software, you said, and then when did yeah. you make change and and why did you make the change yeah so um partly just burnout working with software traveling a ton you know just not super rewarding um i think being in colorado just the opportunities uh that were in line with the feelings going on with running more and just like learning about health and the impact of food choices um like i you know i grew up eating hot dogs and macaroni and cheese, right? And like, think not that there's anything wrong with that, but it was just like the family history of medical conditions. And all of these things just opened my eyes to exploring what the role of food and, you know, our longevity, our lifespan, health span. Um, so that combined with being 
fried from software, you know, like, ooh, I think I could maybe go into the field of nutrition and see what there is that I could, um, you know, pursue either from a clinical perspective or other uh, fitness related realms. Um, so I, yeah, I just quit my job, decided to go back to school and, you know, uh, see where that would take me. I wasn't thinking very well, like job line and path, you know, I just kept like, Ooh, it'll, it'll all work out. Mm. Um, so that was several, several years ago. That's awesome. So then after you finish up school, you started working in a clinical setting for a number of years, a brief time. Yeah. That was, uh, partly requirements for the the dietitian credential is to fulfill some of your hours in a clinical setting. But part of that was in a private practice where I, in the Boulder area here where I am, um, there are a ton of active athletic people, but you know, we're not all free from disease or other health conditions. Um, so that, that got me moving into the sport nutrition realm aside from my own passion of trying to figure out my own stuff. Cause I wasn't like, I'm a, trying to kick butt here with, with marathons and, you know, uh, longer running and it just wasn't adding up. So I wanted, it was kind of selfish, like, Ooh, I want to figure this out for myself, but then running into other folks who were suffering, um, with nutrition issues related to their sport. Uh, so that drove me into the, the niche of sports nutrition. And that was about 15 years ago now. That's awesome. And, you know, yeah. I, I have to ask, cause I'm, you know, small business owner too. I'd love to hear the story of like, when did you decide to branch out on yourself and what did that look like? And the whole nutrition mechanic gig. Yeah. Cause I worked with another gentleman, um, for a long time, actually Bob Sibahar is his name. He's well known in sports nutrition world for endurance athletes. So we worked together for almost eight years. That was amazing experience. Uh, you know, building, building your sports nutrition armor and everything. Um, but then the decision to start my own business was partly, you know, that desire to just explore opportunities on your own time and make a business focused in the areas uh, that really called to me, which, you know, specifically endurance sport, but also ultra running, um, the ultra endurance event is really, you know, part of my main passion piece of the pie here. Um, but yeah, just like wanting to do my own thing and nutrition mechanic, just like, you know, I want to help fine tune and sometimes overhaul and I love fixing things. So like mechanic, um, that word kept coming to my mind. Yes. <laughs> like I love to be a nutrition mechanic and help people just fine tune and take it up a notch. I love that. That's so yeah. awesome. So why not, can you fill in people who are listening? I know, I know I'm sure every, every dietitian is different, but what does it look like for coaching you know, your coaching services, if someone's interested in, you know, reaching out to you, wanting to get some help, what does that look like if they're uh, looking for some nutrition help? Yeah. So the service isn't really uh, covered by insurance, the same as like maybe physical therapy when you get injured, you know, that kind of thing, or uh, seeing a, um, uh, I'm trying to think of another physician. Those are things that happen when you're sick, right? Uh, that you hopefully have insurance coverage. Coverage. So the nutrition services that we provide are all um, package based. So it's, you know, depending on what's going on, it might be a month of time where we can really spend a few hours of direct phone time or Zoom time and work on whatever issue is happening. But a lot of times, especially with you know, the active athletic individual or those who are getting into trail running um, or other kind of endurance sport, we need a little more time. So I have two month and four month packages. And that just really affords us that, you know, um, get to know you time, 
like you were hinting in the beginning, right, uh, the right. personalization piece, because I'm not doing the cookie cutter, like just follow this meal plan and eat this and copying that per athlete. Um, that extended period really allows us the time to try stuff, fine tune it. Maybe we have to start over, whatever the case. Um, so it's, it's, it's duration-based services. Um, certainly it can be customized, but that's what I find uh, works the best. And you work with like all ages, genders, what's, who, who are you taking on as clients? Yeah, we're, we're all peoples. Um, and my, I have a colleague who specializes in youth athletes as well. So we, you know, youth to adult to elderly, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And all, you know, all peoples, all colors, all, all peoples. So that's really exciting to have an open door. I love that. Dina, I love it. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Thanks for asking about that. Yeah, for sure. I want people to know. I want to share the love here, you know? Um, Let's jump into a few of these questions. We picked out three. I do want to note that Joe Brandine's questions about uh, pizza rolls and beer, that was that was nice. Good job, Joe. Uh, did you want to speak to that at all, Dina? About oh yeah, how was the question phrased? It was uh, what what role? Hold on, I've got it here. What role does uh, pizza rolls and beer play in fueling for endurance events? <laughs> <laughs> what role? I mean, it can fit, I suppose. Is it desirable or like? agreeable with your with your own GI system your own stomach you know and does it slow you down those are other questions but I will say I have seen and heard almost everything uh, for what runners consume before during and after runs so Mm -hmm. that wasn't a surprising question and I'm also not the the dietitian who's like you only can eat energy gels right you know for maximal performance so I mean if that fuels him to the finish line in a stellar way then go for it there you go joe you've you've got the the nutrition mechanics blessing there yep (laughs) approved you know i gotta ask you because you just asked that you just brought this up what it can you say like what is the craziest thing you've heard a runner eating or drinking I'm sure there's some good ones. I mean, I do know some runners who uh, do the pizza, you know, especially with long runs where we might be going slower anyway, or we're just newer. And if we have iron tough stomachs, you know, if you think about pizza or pizza rolls, you've got some carbohydrate, there's a little bit of protein, a little bit of fat. So it's like that all-in-one food, you can eat it cold, you know? So it's like one of those, um, so yeah, the pepperoni pizza, which probably isn't that crazy as I say it, but that, you know, is is one of the more surprising mm. options to, to eat enough of that to be like a couple pizzas worth, you know? Um, but I've, I've seen the, the bacon, sandwiches and things like that, which really, I mean, I, I don't think it's all that crazy, right? If it works for you, but that's the challenge is figuring out what works for you and and what is smarter for Mm. you. Yeah. Well, we, I was telling you before we started that, that post on our Facebook group about like, what's the the one food you've eaten that you most regret during a run. There was some stuff on there. Some guy ate like a whole tray of eggplant parm and it didn't go well. <laughs> and, and maybe that's because of the amount, like a little bit might've worked or maybe not your grandma's sauce on there. You know, right. who, who knows what it was or the <laughs> loaf of garlic bread that went with it. I'm just right. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I think it was also like seven, he said something like 7 a.m. before the start of a half marathon or something like that. Oh, Sounds right. Yeah, there were a number of things I need to go through that post and yeah, it was a good one. Compile <laughs> the reports. So some uh, some research. Um, okay, Dina, let's jump into the first question. This is kind of a combination from uh, Stephanie Shinmack and Trisha Aspinwall. They both were asking about uh, 
advice for sensitive stomachs. So Stephanie's specific question was, if one has a sensitive stomach, what solids foods what solid foods are recommended for long runs, adventures, like a half day event? And then, you know, going right off of that, Trisha's is what is the best way to fuel when aid stations are filled with things that you need to pass on or risk serious gastric uh, distress? Right now, I stick to tailwind spring gels, but often crave real food. So I think this is kind of getting at like, what kind of advice do you have for folks with sensitive uh, stomachs, you know? Yeah, it's a good one. I think a lot of us take that for granted too. Like you have to deal with, you know, a, a noisy stomach or an unhappy stomach and just put up with it. Um, unfortunately, like in these questions, it's at some point we realize we can't eat certain things because it's not going to work or, um, you know, newer foods maybe bug us. So just trying to explore for those of us feeling like, ooh, I'm not an iron tough stomach. What, what do I do? But the first question I think is interesting because she's noting the fact that you can eat solid foods, period. Because a lot of us, especially older, like I'll say 40 and older athletes, we're from the time that energy gels was all that we talked we were taught that we had, or we were ingrained, you know, like you only eat energy gels, um, which is not a solid food. Um, so I love the question that, that that is opening some of our eyes. Like you can eat solid foods and maybe even you sharing a few of the options that you've experienced or had maybe more favorable effects or less favorable. Um, but I think the thing is thinking about like if you think of the pizza example, where it might be high fat with lots of cheese or something or pepperoni or sausage, the high fat um, element can really cause slowed digestion and that therefore aggravate our stomachs. Um, so we, we kind of want to think about things that don't have too much fat. So maybe eating, you know, um, too much bacon or too much meat or something like that is, is something to steer clear of, but maybe a little bit of those things uh, protein wise can help uh, or a little bit of fat, like a little bit of peanut butter on um, a tortilla or a gluten-free tortilla to the second question. Cause I think she was mentioning too some, some gluten issues. Uh, the other things thinking about, and I'm kind of answering by flipping the question, like what are the things that usually cause irritated stomach? Yeah, that was uh, another one of the questions was, I remember Sheila asked, what, what causes the runner's runs? Yeah, these things are all tied together. So a lot of fiber can be a problem. Um, very concentrated uh, sugar sources can be a problem. And that's a lot of our sports nutrition products, right? It's very concentrated sugars or carbohydrates. And if we're not hydrating very well, that can aggravate the stomach. Um, so I, in the realm of the first question about like what solid foods might be safer, mm. we could think about some kinds of fruits, you know, like bananas are usually in maybe half banana side like that usually can be okay. Uh, some of the other fruits, but maybe not, you know, raw apples, for example, or a lot of dried fruit um, that can pose some issues. Um, but things like potatoes digest pretty well, not a lot of fiber. Um, if you think of uh, even like some of the baby food pouches for mm. people who have a sensitive stomachs that can digest pretty quickly and easily. It's not too high in fiber or protein. Um, I mean, we can get into the, like the sandwich realm or the wraps, you know, uh, that kind of solid food where we might have a little bit of peanut butter or there might be a little cheese or something, but it's not like a big hunk of cheese or a big jar of peanut butter. So like trying to give a few examples there. Um, can you share, Kim, a few of your solid food favorites these days? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, you mentioned one of them was the tortilla with peanut butter and honey on there. That's, that's yeah. really easy. Doesn't bother my stomach at all. 
um, some of the longer runs I've been doing later in the day when it's after, you know, six or eight hours, whatever the, the tortilla with Turkey and avocado has been really good. That's, I just, started, I just tried that this last weekend. Brilliant. Um, but yeah, like the peanut butter pretzels are good because it's salty. There's carbs also, you know, the peanut butter in there. Um, yeah well you have a, spe- a special one too like pierogies oh yeah you can't go wrong pierogies yeah like potato and cheese you know that kind of pierogi with the the little bit of flour thing um so that stuff is all like you can make a list and just brain dump everything that sounds good to you because that's something else to think about especially the longer races that we're out right um what are the things that sound good? And then thinking about what sounds good when it's 85 degrees out, or if it's like you had a personal or, you know, recent experience, if it's raining yeah, uh, and maybe even, you know, not hot, like all the weather conditions that affect mm-hmm. our palate and then affect maybe potentially how much we eat or how much we don't eat that can cause stomach issues. Um, so really, I think to the first question, which, which I know I'm adding a lot of if then else to, but I think just getting each of our own lists going and, and then trying some of these things. Um, and, and generally, if there is some sort of carbohydrate in that food, like tortillas or fruit or potato or rice, uh, we'll at least get energy that we can use. Um, more readily versus a teeny bit of carbohydrate or lack thereof, like in the bacon example. Right. Um, so, yeah. That's awesome. You know, I would, I'm going to add on to this just from RD's perspective, because I know one part of the question was, you know, if there's the aid station is filled with things that aren't working. Um, I'll speak for myself, but I want to hear from runners and get suggestions on like, Hey, I saw this at another race and it was really great for the aid station. You should think about doing it. So I'd encourage you if you're watching and you've come to a race and you're like, Oh man, Sasquatch have this at the aid station, just email me. And, um, you know, as long as it's not like, you know, a 40 ounce steak or something, we'll look at it. (laughs) Exactly. I think, you know, the other things I'm just thinking of for the sensitive stomach people or the runners trots kind of people who Mm -hmm. is thinking about what you ate the day before, or maybe two days before, um, because a lot of us aren't associating that piece and truly it can take up to three days for food to completely leave you know digest absorb the nutrients excrete it it can take up to three days so something you ate two days ago could be a problem spices you know all that stuff and then and then another thing i would add is just looking at um hydration because that's that can cause or lack thereof, that can cause some stomach issues for people. Like what are you drinking or not drinking? What's in the bottle or the flask or the bladder? You know, all those things. So it's a lot of self-discovery to figure out what what works best. For Um, sure, yeah. And I I would say too, you know, working with you, keeping a food log has been so helpful because then you can look back on, you know, the long run three weeks ago when it was raining for 10 hours, what worked, what didn't work. Um, exactly. I, I found that to be really helpful, you know? Yeah. What, uh, I don't know if I should ask you here live, but I was curious, what are some of your popular items at your aid stations or do you offer, um, some staples at all of your races, depending on the the yes. distance and everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this year we've, it's, it's been changing every race because of COVID, yeah. um, but we are now back to doing the full, you know, food at the aid stations okay. before, you know, during the height of it, we were just doing when the races were limited in capacity, we had all the single serving stuff. So right. prepackaged and everything. Yeah. Um, but now we're back to doing the full aid stations for the longer endurance events, but um, yeah, we'll have things like we'll have the potatoes, we'll have um, ramen, which was not popular at the last one because it was so hot. Nobody oh. ate ramen. Yeah, it was just poor decision. Um, pierogies, we'll do uh, 
bacon, this 12 hour overnight, we did bacon and eggs, um, quesadillas, breakfast burritos. Watering my mouth. Here. I know, right? I, my drool <laughs> happening. <laughs> yes. And uh, Chef Dave, my brother Dave has been getting in on the fun. He's been cooking. Oh, nice. Uh, That's so great. Yeah. So that is really nice for me, selfishly. But the fresh food like that is so awesome. I mean, and a lot of races out here don't have anything like that. So y'all are lucky out there to have Kim's uh, variety and, and those kinds of options. I know there was one uh, race that was trying to do avocado as another option, mm. like halves, but those can get a little pricey and then maybe say, not be ripe and everything. Maybe up the registration fee for avocados. <laughs> for the avocado lovers. Yeah. Oh, but we also can all bring our own, mm. right? Like we can carry our own stuff for those who don't find what they need at the aid station and it's not a popular item. We have the power to bring our own goodies. Yes. I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask, you know, maybe for our new runners, maybe they don't, not even thinking about that. You think that's a good idea to bring your own food? I do. I mean, then you're self-sufficient. I mean, I'm a big fan of that just because I'm like a worry wart. Like, oh no, what if they don't have, you know, someone ate all the whatever that I wanted, all the peanut butter and jellies. Um, But so, I mean, I'm always a big fan of taking a few of your own extra items, but if you do have a stomach or, you know, gut issues, if you're finding that you're bloating or cramping or, you know, porta potties or trees or whatever is for, for <laughs> having, you know, having to ditch off the trail to take care of business, I think, um, being empowered enough to bring your own goodies uh, that can make for a really wonderful experience overall. Awesome. Very cool. Well, uh, Trisha already said, thank you, Dina. So appreciate your answer. Um, Let's keep moving. It's our, I mean, we're, we might not even get through two questions, but um, let's hit the next one. This is from Jessica Simeo. She's one of my adventure buddies. We do a lot of crazy stupid things together um her question is and i know she's asked this because she has a, a multi-day race coming up so fueling strategies for multi-day or stage races or backpacking events more so once you're done running hiking for the day what is best to eat so sounds like she's asking for some ideas during these multi-days and then um after so loading up afterwards Ooh, good on her to be thinking about like ooh, what am i doing tomorrow the reload period. That's I'm just highlighting how important that is because, uh, especially for multi-day um, events or training or whatever we're trying to do, you know, the body is kind of breaking down day one, and if we're depending on how we're coming into day one, the body can be already breaking down. So the reloading period, meaning recovery, nutrition is so important. And I will go first to protein options. Shocker. Shocker. You've heard that one zillion times, haven't you, Kim? Have. (laughs) Um, Because the old, kind of the old thinking was like hit the carbs, the chocolate milk, the whatever. And again, I'm not dissing any foods, but I'm just saying like where we were in sports nutrition 30 years ago or 20 years ago, or even a few years to now, especially for um, women athletes is that we need a lot more protein uh, to support the recovery process. So um, I don't know if we want to get into like women's physiology or anything, but people can hit me up if if you want more info on that. Um, And we don't have to eat the 40 ounce steak either. So it can be, you know, in the range of, uh, you know, 25 to 35 grams of protein. So you pick what the protein source is. If you don't eat steak or red meat or animal products, that's okay. We can use, um, you know, plant derived protein. So that might be for some people, uh, a pea protein powder for a quick and easy drinkable Um, you know, a scoop, scoop and a half of that. Um, 
we can use, I mean, there's just so many options, but I think the main point is like protein sooner than later Mm. after that first day, and then get the carbohydrate, other real food coming in, uh, depending if you have access to that, if you're kind of at a camp situation where you're making your own from an instant mix or whatever, uh, you know, a dehydrated meal, I would just say pick, pick options that do have, you know, at least 15, 20 grams of protein and it's okay to repeat protein. It will serve us much better um, than not having it in terms of that turnaround in the recovery window. Um, And then of course we have to think about what we're doing, consuming beforehand Uh, there's so many things popping into my mind, like, don't forget the (laughs) hydration piece. We have to rehydrate after our big days, right? Uh, hydration is so important. It's neglected very Mm. often, but hydration and protein make a world of difference in how well and how quickly we recover for the next day. And by hydration, I don't mean like for the alcohol consumers, out there. Um, we need to be careful of that on the multi-day stuff. Cause that actually can work a, a bit counter to some recovery and hydration. Um, so, you know, for salty sweaters, uh, heavy sweaters, we want to think about getting some electrolytes in to properly rehydrate. Uh, that could be like topic number 41 <laughs> that I'm adding to the list right now. Um, but anyway, it's the pre, uh, pre big run day or pre, you know, day three is like what things stick with you. So uh, again, we have tons of options. What you just mentioned a minute ago, like the bacon eggs, that's an option. That's protein, some fat. I would just say, can we add some carbohydrate to it? Like could be your oats. It could be a banana. It could be some dried fruit, perhaps. Um, Maybe it's potatoes in the eggs, you know, and doing a little scramble kind of thing. Um, So depending on what we're consuming during the day while we're on our feet, that can kind of dictate what we do on the bookends as far as loading up. And then of course, how long we're out there and then what our post-run strategy is. But I would just say in summary, (laughs) think about the recovery. Uh, Some of us aren't as hungry for a while. That can be a problem. Push the protein when you can. uh, And then try to get, you know, that mixed meal of protein carb as primary targets. And if there's fat in there, that's okay. It's just not the biggie when we have stage racing or multi-day stuff going on. I'll pause there (laughs) 20 minutes later, everyone take a breath. (laughs) No, that's awesome. I think that's, that's super helpful. And it it does sounds like, I mean, a race like that has a lot of logistics, but maybe some people are not thinking about nutrition hydration as, as a part of those race logistics. So I think it's important to, you know, get on the radar. Yeah. I mean, and you, you, can speak to this too very well. It's just, um, and I'm sure she has a lot of experience already. It's just the long days that we have for training for a multi-day event, um, trying to just maximize and simulate uh, what we think might happen and just the world's our oyster, like practice a bunch of stuff, practice the breakfast, practice the post you know, 10 hour day stuff and, and make a log, like you said, that's invaluable for fine tuning what we're going to end up doing. I love it. It's good stuff. All right, Jess, you got your answer there from Dina. I'm sure she would have much more to say on it if we kept going. Um, Dina, let's jump into the next one, which is about caffeine. So Sean McFall wants to know, when and how should marathoners, uh, marathoners and ultra marathoners use caffeine during training and racing? And this is, uh, yeah, I wonder, I wonder if people want to comment to what their favorites are for the mm-hmm. caffeine users out there. Um, cause that would be fun to know. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because that, that's the thing, like, what is the source of caffeine? Because right. I, in that post you made yesterday where people, the question about what did you regret, someone did write, like, what was it, a, a lot of coffee or something? There were, there were a bunch with, there was one, like, a whole frappuccino and uh, yeah. coffee was another one, iced yeah. coffee. So the, uh, we have to think about caffeine what are, what are we aiming to get out of it? So a lot of us think like a boost or, uh, you know, some pep in my step kind of thing, but the dose is individual in terms of what can bring about that response that we're looking for. Um, what is the source of the caffeine? So we have amounts. Uh, some of us are slow metabolizers of caffeine. So a little goes a long way for a long time. Um, some of us rapidly metabolize caffeine. So there is a difference uh, in terms of how much we might want to use. Um, I'm kind of giving some generals and I'll give a specific here yeah, in a second. Yeah. But uh, the source, I think is a biggie because like the Frappuccino example, that has a lot of other stuff in it, right? There's, a, there's sugar, well, I don't know what else is here. <laughs> I'm thinking of some coffee and like whipped cream. I don't know, maybe milk products, right? So it can be uh, just like, think about what, where are we getting our caffeine? Um, like Coke, for example, Coca-Cola, it really doesn't have that much caffeine for a 12 ounce um, Coca-Cola, it's like 35 milligrams of caffeine, which is not a lot compared to a cup of coffee, like a decent um, small coffee from Starbucks is probably 80, 90 milligrams of caffeine. Um, the Coke has quite a bit of sugar, right? So I think we associate Coke, like I'm getting a caffeine fix, but it's sugar and some caffeine. Whereas the coffee is like maybe too much caffeine for some of us and maybe there's nothing else in it. Um, so I think these are the things to think about is if you are a user of caffeine or a consumer of caffeine, um, you know, you may need a little bit more dose wise to feel the effect of what it is you're wanting, which might be a little bit of a boost um, maybe not coffee in that example, like, <laughs> cause it, it might be, I'm just thinking of people with GI issues as a result of coffee. Maybe it was too strong or too much or, or the temperature like hot liquids can kind of cause some issues with gut motility. Um, so anyhow, we have to play with that dosing, uh, and then the interval of time that we have it. Uh, so some of us may be better off having caffeine every three to four hours. Some of us may need to stretch that window. Like um, if I'm doing an eight hour event or an eight hour, I think race, you know, maybe you have a little coffee in the morning or your tea and then save the caffeine for when you're really tired instead of mm -hmm. pumping the caffeine every hour, every aid station like hold off. And then when you're fatigued more, uh, you know, needing a bit more of an apparent boost, you'll feel it. You won't likely need as much either like at hour five, for example, in that eight hour scenario. Um, so for marathon distance, you know, it kind of depends if it's four hour marathon versus six or seven, we might use it at our you know, hour and a half, and then at three hours, if we're doing two, two hits or two rounds of caffeine. Um, for ultra marathon, it kind of depends if we're talking 50K, you know, a, a seven hour 50K or a 12 hour 50K or, um, but think about dosing your caffeine of choice in the range of every three to four hours, maybe three to five hours and kind of play with that amount to see if you are better off with the smaller 
dose, like 30 to 40 milligrams, which is in a lot of energy gels and a lot of sport nutrition versus a hundred milligrams, which is quite a hit. Um, does that make sense so far? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And you, you are an, a good example. I mean, if you don't mind sharing with the audience, yeah. like, because you don't use caffeine, um, maybe, maybe you just wanted to talk a minute about what you feel when you have caffeine and why that's not maybe the best thing all the time. Yeah. 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 I used to be a huge coffee junkie when I was, uh, living in Ohio and as coaching college athletics, um, long hours, crazy schedule. So I was drinking a ton of coffee and then I moved back here, changed careers. I was like, wow, I'm addicted to coffee and decided no more coffee. Um, so I don't, I don't have any, yeah, done, but it took like six months to stop drinking coffee because it was just the headaches and everything. Um, but yeah, no caffeine anymore. Um, but that's something that we've been working on for Tahoe is, you know, cause that's definitely a race strategy. I think, you know, anticipating being yeah. out there for a number of days. Um, so yeah, we've been using the, the pre-race caps, right. Pre-race capsules. Yep. And I'm a, I'm a lightweight because it doesn't really take that much to, uh, you know, feel a little bit of a boost. Um, I think the most I've had so far is maybe three, but that's over the course of like 10 hours or something, you know, 10, it's 12 hours. Small amount. Yeah. Each of those capsules is about 30, 33 milligrams of caffeine, which for me, that wouldn't work for the purposes because uh, I use a lot of caffeine. <laughs> I admit. Um, so you, and it's the other thing here is that it's not like you feel this sudden, like, whoa, I'm on top of the world. Sometimes oh, it's a very yeah. subtle effect and it just takes some fatigue down, right? Yeah, it's totally, totally different than, like I shared with you, I had some coffee the other day on a road trip and I felt like I was crawling out of my skin just because I don't have coffee anymore. So, yeah. but that compared to like the pre-race caps, it's, there's not that jittery feeling at all. It's just kind of like a, a mental sharpness almost, you know? Exactly. Yeah. That's perfect way to, you know, it's like a cognitive slash focus shift and instead of like jolted out of your right. skin when we dose it properly. So uh, I think the other thing to add here is just that caffeine is, is one of the most effective ergogenic aids. So it can have performance benefits. So long as we figure out the right uh, amount, timing and type for each person. And again, that can be quite different. Um, so sometimes capsules or the gum, you know, can be the easiest way versus a whole gallon of Coca-Cola. Yeah. <laughs> Although, oh, that, that is one of the crazier things. Sherpa John. Yeah. He, he is known to put down a few liters of Coke. Oh my God. Is he really? Days. Yeah. I'm like, wow, we a few liters. That's a lot of Coke. <laughs> a lot. I'd be high as a kite, like <laughs> jumping out of my skin, but yeah. Right. Anyway. Sherpa John, he's, he's legendary out there in Colorado. Crazy. Yes. Um, all right, Dina, why don't we finish with one question? We could take just a couple minutes on this. And again, I'm sure you could yeah, talk yeah. for a long time about it, but I think this will speak to both the new, newer runners and also the veteran ultra runners. This came from Patricia McLean, who's a good friend of mine. She wants to know what are the most common errors that ultra runners make when they're fueling during a race? I'm sure you can go a lot of different directions in this, yeah. but uh, what, that's what a great question, Patricia. I mean, common mistakes. Um, I think food wise, like too much, too fast. Um, Cause we know we're burning a lot of calories. Like shouldn't I be eating a lot to make sure I keep my energy up? Um, so we could uh, easily get in that mindset. You know, we need to eat frequently and eat a lot, but as runners um, and over time. So depending on the distance and duration, th the stomach has to do a lot of work to put, process all of that food. But by the way, our muscles, like our legs, right? 
and, and just arm swing, there's a lot of energy demand with all of our other muscles, aside from what the stomach needs to digest all that food. So a common mistake is overeating. Mm. Um, I mean, I could say add to that, like overeating stuff that doesn't work so well, like, you know, eight gels in an hour, or maybe it's not something that's, yeah. So another common one would be, uh, poor hydration strategies, which I kind of mentioned earlier. So just not enough fluid intake or too much fluid intake or too much plain water for us sweaty people or us salty people, we need to get some proper electrolytes coming in. Um, and that doesn't mean we have to chew on, you know, a bunch of salt all the time, but some of us do need more. Um, and so that can be a mistake that's just happened. Like I didn't know kind of thing. Right. Um, so those are the biggies. I think other than the preparedness, right? Like no plan. Mm. That's something preventable or workable and no, no shame. Cause I was one of those like, Oh, <laughs> I need to think about this. Can I just go have fun on the, on the trails and worry about that stuff as I feel it, but mm -hmm. that doesn't work over time. So I think for all of us, even if you're brand new and doing the cool races that, that Kim and her crew are offering, like even if you're brand new, having a little bit of a nutrition plan, hydration plan can do wonders for like the most fun day and like not having to suffer. I love that. Yeah, that, that was, I mean, I know I said that was the last question, but I'll ask one more. Oh, we, yeah. always, we always have a lot of new runners that come to our trail parties. We have a lot of new, sometimes they're road runners. They're trying trails for the first time, or sometimes they're just brand new runners. Like this past Saturday, we had at least a dozen new, new folks come out. So I always like to ask our guests is what, what advice would you give new trail runners? And this doesn't have to be nutrition specific. It definitely can be because that's your background. But uh, if you could give advice to uh, any newbies out there, what, what would you say about trail this wonderful, wacky world of trail and ultra running. Oh, wonderful and wacky. I love it. I think, uh, you know, taking a moment to, to actually be in the moment because a lot of times we're so forward focused, uh, like what's coming up next, literally on the trail or what, how am I doing, you know, with this time goal or these things that start to get in our mind as we get more experience. Um, so I think as in our daily lives, like just pausing and you don't necessarily have to physically literally pause, like, hold on everybody, but uh, just in your mind, at least or in your thoughts, taking that, that pause and appreciating the opportunity, the scenery, breathing, like all of those things that we take for granted sometimes. I think that is huge to the experience. I love that. I love that mindfulness and just being in the, in the present moment. Yeah, exactly. That's, you know, I love that, that aspect about trail running is you really can, you're escaping, you know, a little bit and, you know, you're getting out there in nature, you're getting out with friends or solo or whatnot. And yeah. uh, it's really a unique sport, I think, because it can be experienced in a lot of different ways. For sure. I think as, as you get hooked on it, right, sometimes we get uh, lured into other things like the watch, how fast am I going or am I too slow or worrying about, you know, the shoe lace that looks, you know, we just get like, whoa. <laughs> and so uh, it can take away from the experience. And when you finish like, oh, wow, I didn't even see that section. What? There was an eagle on that tree? What? Right. You know, it's just like, so. Or Sasquatch. Still, Sasquatch ah, might be there and you miss that's them. That's true. You got to pay attention. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, Dina, this has been fantastic. We got through maybe four or five questions, which is not, not bad. Not too bad. I know. I Thank you for letting me blab on some tangents there. Of course. Of I think, course. This is good just because there is so much to it. Uh, 
so hopefully everyone had some patience there. Like, why wouldn't she just say this one sentence response? And it's because there's so many conditions behind it. And I'm, yeah, I'm just trying to help with the thought process and, and maybe have people appreciate nutrition a little, uh, how much it can do for us. Totally. Totally. Thank you for the opportunity to be with you all. Of course, we got to have you back and we'll, we can chat offline a little bit about, you know, maybe doing some sort of a webinar, maybe like a specific topic might be helpful to kind of narrow the focus. And uh, I like that, but, um, okay. So tell everybody, how can they connect with you? (laughs) The sign nutrition mechanic, (laughs) nutrition (laughs) mechanic.com. Right there, people. Right That's there. so cheesy. Not the sign, but my holding it up's maybe too cheesy. Uh, yeah, nutritionmechanic.com, or you can email uh, Dina, D I N A, at nutritionmechanic.com. Awesome. And are you on social media? Can people connect with you in that way? Yes, Nutrition Mechanic on Instagram. Uh, I've been a little silent here for the last couple months. Just but I'm not that silent and I, I will be on Instagram more here coming up, but uh, that's probably the best channel, channel, what forum um, to find me. Perfect. It's awesome. Well, we got a lot of people saying thank you on the, uh, the live chat here. So your, your talk was very much appreciated, Dina. Everybody fuel well for the Sasquatch, Sasquatch races. Sasquatchy style nutrition. I'll figure out a hashtag that <laughs> brings both of these things together. I promise. Both worlds together. Yes. <laughs> but uh, thank you again, Kim, and and for everyone that was here uh, live. That's uh, awesome. Thank you, Dina. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will post this on our podcast in the next day or so. You can find that anywhere podcasts are streaming and I do have to just give it I'm going to give a shout out right here because I just popped on ultra sign up and we've already had four people sign up for the backyard squatch and I am not surprised that the first one was Sarah uh, Weber because I I have her her nickname is Sarah Kool-Aid because she's drinking the the ultra running Kool-Aid so hard um, and she was the first to sign up so anyway we fixed that link while uh, the interview is going on it is live and ready to go um, but again, you can learn more about us on sasquatchtrailrunning.com. We're on social media. Facebook is Sasquatch Trail Running. Our group, I was just telling Dina, is about to hit a thousand people for Sasquatch Trail Runners. So we will be giving a prize out. I believe it's on, Dina, did you just, you just joined, right? And you were. I think, yeah. I think I was 999. Yeah, 999. So, hey, if you haven't joined the group yet, this is your opportunity to score some swag. We'll send you something. Um, But yeah, that's it. All right, guys. So until we see you again, you guys keep it squatchy.